0: So I think good work, good ideas or you know, the stuff you talk about. You see something on TV or you you see an experience or you were a part of an experience from a brand and you're telling your buddies about that. They did something right. And I think that's the best thing we can do is get people to remember and talk about it and engage and and want more. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct to consumer e commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Sean. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Super excited to have you on. Um, yeah, but before I kind of jump into all the good stuff, maybe give a little bit of background about yourself and uh, kind of your origin story. Yeah, my origin story, that's, uh, <laughs> I could go on for a <laughs> while, I suppose, but uh, I mean,
0: I, uh, I'm i currently the head of marketing for PAX Labs Canada. It's uh, its a job that I, I've been in for a, almost a year now, but prior to that, I was, um, my whole career was like in advertising, graphic arts and design. Um and, uh, you know, currently live in Halifax with my wife and my son and, you know, living the dream, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of music, uh, you know, cannabis, obviously, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, know been kind of spent my, uh, most of my adult life and career in, in the advertising marketing space in different capacities.
1: That's awesome. Uh, you, yeah. you mentioned cannabis. Um, I know off, off air, we talked about, uh, uh, the whole cannabis industry, but it'd be awesome to kind of get your take on, um, the industry and where you think uh, it's going. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think there was a time where I probably felt like I had a, a, a
0: or a thought that I could predict some of that, but I don't think, <laughs> I, I think the more I know about it, the more, the harder, I think, uh, predicting what, what's going to happen to it, uh, seems to be, but, um, I mean, obviously an exciting industry. I think I, I started getting interested in the industry about a year before, uh, it, it became legal. So I, I was doing a podcast, um, uh, like I say about a year before, and it was all about the upcoming legalization of cannabis in Canada. And it was called uh, turning a new leaf. And it's funny because when I did that podcast, I was actually nervous about doing it from the perspective of, um, you know, if I'm on the, uh, you know, doing a podcast talking about cannabis, am I going to be, you know, typecast or or seen as, you know, the, the weed guy, which I, I didn't really want to do. Um, so, so the way that we did it was we, we brought in people um, that could offer new perspectives and different perspectives on what, what does it actually mean? Like what, what are the kinds of things we should be thinking about as it relates to, you know, legalizing cannabis in the whole country? And so I had, you know, uh, lawyers and doctors and professional athletes and drug dealers and city planners, and you name it, on the show. And it was really, really cool. Um, And we were, at the time, trying to figure out what do we think is going to happen, you know, in the cannabis space. Um, I I think some of what we thought was was right, some of what we thought was okay, um, and a lot of what has happened we didn't see coming. So, you know, the upsizing and downsizing of a lot of the businesses uh, was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, how quickly we've introduced new products when some of the old products are still, are still um, you know, trying to be figured out. It was a bit of a surprise, but um, I don't know what's going to happen. You, you know, I, I think that it will eventually find its sort of balance and regular space with, within, within itself. You know, I think if it started off I think initially there was this idea that, you know, the supply is there's not enough supply. So every, all the licensed producers were going gangbusters, trying to kind of grow more and make sure they could supply everybody. And now what I hear is there's too much supply and, and they've got to slow everything down. <laughs> so, uh, you know, prices were too high in the beginning and now they're trying to lower them. And it, so I think it's going to find its natural, um, settling place eventually. Uh, I would expect in the next, next year or so before it sort of regulates and becomes
1: a It's fine. It's it's normal, you know. Right. Yeah. Have you seen any um, maybe trends or even how how has you guys been impacted by kind of the COVID pandemic the last six year? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. I mean, you know, where we are, they they made cannabis an essential service the same way they did alcohol, Um, and and so I guess in a lot of ways that was good for our business in the sense that they were, you know, they weren't shutting down the stores, at least the online stores anyway. Um, but we did see, you know, the closing of, of retail stores. And so people shifted to online buying. And the other thing that we saw happen was it was almost like people were stocking up when it first happened. Like they were buying large quantities at the beginning. Um, and then there was this period where like the, the buying seemed to slow down. Um, and now it's kind of picking back up again, but it, it's like more purchases, but smaller amounts. Um, and which is, I, I think how it was in the, before, before COVID hit, you know? Um, right. and you know, I think, I don't know about you, but when COVID hit, man, I, you know, my personal consumption of alcohol and cannabis like went way up. It was just like, we're <laughs> not doing anything. Let's have a drink or let's smoke something. Like it was it was crazy. So, and I, you know, it seems to be, I hear that story
1: pretty regularly from people. So um, I'm sure that had something to do with some of the trends as well. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. seems like yeah, you indulge during uncertain times and stressful times. So I could see how that can uh, definitely happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no, um, definitely uh definitely i mean you know how are
0: people choosing to cope i guess is one thing and then you've got the people that that really seem to need it uh you know medicinally or otherwise and so so that's been good i guess
1: yeah absolutely um so kind of stepping into more of the marketing um you you mentioned obviously you're the head of marketing for um pax, PAX labs um, yeah but what's uh What's maybe some of the biggest things that uh, you do or even maybe PAX Labs does that uh, maybe the, obviously the listeners don't know about, or maybe even consumers don't know about?
0: Well, man, I got to tell you, like, I, I, first of all, I've been a fan of PAX like for years and I bought my first PAX device probably, you know, eight or nine years ago, um, purely because when I saw the device, I just loved how it looked. And I'm, I'm talking about the, the dry herb vaporizers of the PAX. It would have been a PAX three, I guess, at that time. and um, I think I saw it on a TV show or something, and I was like, "Man, that thing looks amazing!" Like, I, if I'm going to get a vaporizer, that's what I have to have. <laughs> and, and that was purely just an aesthetics thing. Like, I love the design of the product. You know, you, people will often compare it to like the Apple, like Apple of the vaping, you know, category because of the way that it's designed. But what I learned, both when I got one and and certainly now being part of the part of the organization, was just how much technology is inside those devices you know, um, lip sensing technology and and the device knows when you're picking it up and and when you've set it down and it'll, it'll go into a cooling mode, you know, if you're not using it, um, you know, the, the ability to adjust temperature, like it's, it's just filled with technology. Um, so much so that, you know, even in my short time here, I've heard many times the debate internally on, are we a cannabis company or are we a tech company? You know? And, (laughs) and, And so, um, you know my answer to that has always been well well we're a cannabis company from the perspective that we provide a tool you know that allows people to use cannabis in a more controlled way um but we don't make cannabis we we're a tech company that creates technology that allows you to use cannabis so and i've given that a disproportionate amount of thought over the over the year that i've been here because i've actually been trying to figure it out myself like what the hell are we but um I think that's been the most surprising thing. And I've I've been down to the office in San Francisco and I've seen the labs and I've seen the people working on the tech and it just, it's mind blowing. It just, you'd never think that that kind of technology was inside such a small and and, and smart device.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And It's always always great to have a passion for um, the products and uh, brands you work for. Uh, But for you particularly, what's kind of the, uh, what's your favorite part of your current role right now? Oh, good question.
0: Um, My favorite part, I guess, you know, um, having been a fan of the brand for so long uh, and now being able to influence the way others see it, you know, so, you know, a large part of my job is, is obviously kind of figuring out what to communicate and how to communicate it. And so, you know, my passion for the brand from an aesthetic perspective and just the way that I've always seen Pax as a really uh, sophisticated kind of cannabis brand, which is one of the reasons I liked it so much. You know, it's not a, it doesn't seem to fall into the stone or quote-unquote category, um, which is something you know, that I personally didn't want to fall into. And um, so I, I take a lot of pride in being able to do work for that brand that makes sure it stays that way, you know, that, that treats it with respect and sort of treats it with a very sophisticated eye. Uh, and, and allows people to see it the same way. And whenever I do that, you know, and I, I'll get, someone will see something or they'll call me and be like, man, I love this brand. Like, I just, you know, I love this thing that you did. I'm just like, you can't, hard to replace that, you know? And so, so it's challenging because, because I have such respect for the brand. um, Personally, Um, living up to it is, is probably my biggest, uh, you know, self self critic critique, if you will. Um, but when it happens and we do something that resonates with people, I mean, that's always been my thing in my whole marketing career. Whenever I've been able to do something that
1: resonates with people, it's just like the best feeling. Absolutely. That actually, uh, segues perfectly into my next question, uh, <laughs> about resonating with people, but what's, uh, maybe describe what the most successful marketing campaign you've ever worked on. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, oddly enough, I I think that has a little bit to do with how you define success. Um, you know, so I'll answer this question by not by saying, um, it wasn't probably, I'm not, I'm going to say it's not the most effective campaign in the sense that not that it didn't work, but it was hard to define how well it worked because it was an anti-smoking campaign, uh, for the province of Nova Scotia. And, uh, we did this years ago. I think it was back in 2007, maybe. Uh, might've even been before that, but, but we were challenged to come up with a, you know, an anti-smoking campaign for Nova Scotia. And uh, it was a government project, typically government projects. You know, you don't have the ability to, you know, to do different things, you know, as much as you would maybe for a, for a private sector business. And, uh, we'd we'd come up with this idea. Um, and, and it was based purely based on research. And what we'd learned from people was that everybody had this amazing ability to justify their smoking habit, right? So they would, they could, they could, you know, talk you at convince you by all means that they had a good reason for smoking, but their justifications were ridiculous. Like I actually save money by smoking because if I didn't smoke, I'd probably spend it on, you know, some other crazy habit, you know, or, or, uh, if I, I smoke because that's how I meet people. I socialize better because I, you know, I I hang out with smokers or I ask for a light and that gets me talking to someone like crazy things like that. And we heard this stuff and went, you know what we got to do is just hold this up, you know, as like a mirror and help people see how kind of crazy and absurd these justifications are as a way to say, look like you're kind of being ridiculous um so that was kind of the the idea became great reasons to smoke and what we did was we did this campaign with these two guys um have you ever seen the movie fubar or heard of the movie fubar
1: oh yeah 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 <laughs> so those those two guys terry and deaner
0: um we we actually modeled our our execution of that campaign after two guys like that we were like let's just use these two guys that are kind of stuck in the 80s you know they're not necessarily aspirational but just kind of doing their own thing. And so we were writing these scripts, you know, using these two characters as an example. And then somebody, I think it was the director at one point said, well, why don't we just see if we can get them? Like actually get them to do it. And so we reached out and they, not only did they do it, they wanted to write some of them, which we, we couldn't afford to pay them to do. But so we ended up doing this campaign with, with Terry and Diener from FUBAR, just riffing about the reasons they smoke. And it was incredible. I mean, I, I thought like, I thought there's no way the government's going to let us do this. Like there's just no way. (laughs) Well, they let us do it. And, and I think they, they gave us the money to do four commercials and we ended up doing eight because we shot them. We didn't shoot them, um, using scripts. We, we, we let the guys kind of ad lib, but making sure they hit, you know, certain points that we wanted to say. And so we ended up getting so much good content that we, we edited together eight commercials in total. Uh and when they went live, when, when they went on the air, um, I mean, people just went bananas. The, you know, the news was all over them. We won awards, you know, uh, global awards for the campaign. Um, you know, universities were bringing the guys in to do, uh, you know, cessation programs at their university campuses. It just went bananas. Um, and it, it kind of was a campaign that at the time the agency I was at, uh, sort of became known for. And, uh, never really done it you know topped it since i mean it was it it was it it was hard to believe like i've often said you know to do something really great like that you just need so many things to line up like the planets all the planets need to align and that doesn't happen very often Um, i mean it's happened maybe a couple of times but but this particular uh, time was really really special it was the first time any of us had been a part of something that that went that big um you know, I went over to France and I went to Cannes to the uh, International Advertising Festival and watched them play the ads. And it was just, just crazy. So I, I, uh, you know, like I said, I've never quite been able to top that. I've never been able to get the planets to align quite like that again. So it even <laughs> makes it more special when I think back to
1: it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to beat uh bars, So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, Speaking of good content, uh, what would you say is like a foundation of a good ad or a good, good, uh, yeah, just good content in general? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, for me,
0: you know, I've been battling this kind of idea uh, for, for the last, I'd say number of years that I've been in the business and especially given the changes that the whole digital world has created. Right. when, 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 you know, I guess I'll go back here a little bit. When I first started in the business, I mean, is, I'm going to make myself sound old now, but, but, you know, we were barely using computers and, and, you know, the idea, you, you know, you had to go to the, you had to go to the print shop to look at a press proofs. So they couldn't just email them over to you. You had, you know, so everything took a little bit longer. Um, but I think because of that, Ideas were better, you know. The thinking was was better. The execution was better. There was just the there was there was time for the craft, and I think some of that's been taken away a little bit with with the with all the technology. And uh, lately, what I'm finding is because there's so much technology and data that, you know, I had a writer a a writer um, that used to work for me say this to me once, and I I thought it was brilliant. She said that you know we're now writing for computers, but trying to appeal to people's emotions. And, and, you know, when you think about like SEO searches and word, you know, ad buys and word buys and and all this kind of stuff, it's almost like we've forgotten that we're still talking to people. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, I find this interesting sort of dichotomy between, you know, emotional, relevant based kind of messaging and then, you know, research based, here's what people are saying kind of messaging, because I, I don't know that people really say what they people don't say what they mean, you know, when they're asked questions in research, they, they give an answer, but it's not necessarily how they would respond in the real world. And, uh, and I think we've, we've gotten a bit away from being able to tap into that kind of emotion. It does exist. I mean, there's still tons of brands that do it incredibly, incredibly well, like Apple, of course, being one of them. Um, uh, but, you know in my world in 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 the last few years that i was at the agency it was getting harder and harder to do that so i think i think good good work good ideas or you know the stuff you talk about you see something on tv or you you see an experience or you you were a part of an experience from a brand and you're telling your buddies about that they did something right you know and and i think that's that's the best thing we can do is 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 get people to remember and talk about it and engage and
1: and and want more Absolutely. I also think uh, authenticity is also part of that equation as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's such a
0: good point. I'm glad you said that because, because I've personally felt again, over the last few years that any time, like you can tell if, if you're watching an ad or or you're being served an ad on something and you can tell if it's just words, you know, it's just like kind of bullshit, to be honest, (laughs) versus, you know, a campaign or a brand or, or a piece of advertising that, that is real, you know, that makes you go shit. Yeah. Like that's really, really good stuff, you know? And, and that's really difficult to do. I think, I think that, um, the process by which we create advertising makes that really hard to do.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, Having creativity too. I don't know how many times I've seen the "We're all We're all in this together" ad on TV recently. Oh my God! I, listen, I, I I'm so glad to hear you say that
0: because, you know, at first I was like, "Yeah, that's a nice message. I like that," but then every fucking yeah. brand and their dog started doing it. I'm like, "Come on!" Oh my it, goodness! My problem. My problem with that was like. Can't anybody like, first of all, there was a sudden obligation that brands felt to be a part of it. We better put an ad out. We we better say something too, which I think is total crap. Like I, I, I don't think everybody needed to say that. And then it got to a point where I just kept going. I wish someone would come out and not do this now. Like just try to, talk to me about what you want to talk to me about and not jump on this bandwagon. Like it got really irritating. It did. Yeah. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I saw one the other day uh, and it, and I quite liked it. It was talking about uh, like, it was actually not saying, Oh, these are trying times. Like I'm getting sick of that too. Um, uh, but it was saying like, you know, we will uh, visit again and we will, play again we and i was like oh fuck this is nice you know they're 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 helping us be optimistic about looking forward versus rehashing you know how weird it is in the search situation we're in and it was a relief to see that
1: absolutely yeah um just to switch gears a little bit um yeah i want to ask you what from your perspective uh what's kind of the most exciting marketing trend at the moment oh god you know i
0: I don't know, man. Like I, I, um, I don't have an answer for this. It's, it's, (laughs) I get asked this every once in a while. And I think that I, I mean, you could argue that what we just talked about was a trend, you know, but it was an exciting one. You know, I I don't think people jumping on that bandwagon was exciting at all. Um, I, I don't know. And I think maybe I'm just so kind of in my own bubble and in my own kind of world that I, I don't know, if there's something happening right now that I'm really excited about. I mean, I, the last time I, I remember thinking about that and feeling good about it was right around the time. I think that dove had come out with a campaign. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. It, it was, uh, it was, uh, real beauty. It was called campaign for real beauty. And it was, um, and they were using women in the ads that weren't, you know, models and typical, they were real women, all shapes and all sizes, all colors, And they were just talking about women and, and what it was like to be that. And I remember seeing it and going, Holy shit. Like I was so moved by it because it was so true and new, right. It was, it was just honest and new. I found out who created the campaign. I wrote them a letter. I was like, man, well done. Like, like this was one of the best examples I'd seen of just a brand being honest with people. It was so, it just really got me. And then, it started what I thought looked like a lot of that, um, you know, where a lot of brands were coming out and being true about things. McDonald's did the, what was it? Ask away or not ask away. Uh, uh, I forget what they called it, but, but there were, there was a campaign where you could, you could write in and ask questions about their products and their marketing and, and they would respond and they turned those into advertising. And Mm -hmm. like, I remember one being like someone wrote in and said, you know, how come, how come my big Mac doesn't look like, you know, the ones that you take pictures of. And the response was a whole video about the way they shoot their food and how it's pinned down in the back and why they have to show all the ingredients. Like there's a real science behind why they shoot stuff that way. And I was just like, yeah, man, I love this. Like, I love this, this sort of truth in advertising kind of thing that was happening because it wasn't bullshitting me. And I I would say, I still love that. I mean, that's what we were just talking about. You know, I still love anything that's honest and sincere. Um, and, and I wish there was more of it, but since, since that kind of started, I can't really think of a trend that I've gone. Wow. This is, you, could all, you know, you could almost argue that a trend is, is negative in its, in its own right. You know, it's going to come and go, but,
1: but I, I'm not sure I feel like that about anything that's going on right now. That's a good point. Um, Okay. Let me slightly modify the question then. Yeah. Let's say, let's say you're a given, uh, let's say 50% more budget. Um, yeah. how would you spend that, uh, on ad spend and branding and marketing?
0: You know, I think I do. I think I would spend more executing better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I mean by that is, you know, you can always buy more media. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily that, think that that's good. Uh, but what I'd rather do is make sure the stuff I'm putting in the media or the stuff that I'm creating, executing, whether it's in the store or a brand experience is executed better. Um, and, and so, I mean, it's always been a thing for me, in my early days of the agency world, you know, I kind of learned this lesson in a, in a shitty way, but, um, but you know, if you have the greatest idea, but you can't execute it well, it just, it, it just comes off like shit. And, and that's worse, you know, cause it could have been good. Right. Yeah. So, so I just feel like I, I don't necessarily know that I would spend more money on, on media. i probably spend more on better execution and better understanding of, of what, you know, what it is we should be doing and saying. 'Cause if you right. don't get those things right, it doesn't matter, right? It does it doesn't matter how good uh, I think lipstick on a pig is the way we describe it. <laughs> you know, you 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 can make a, a pig look good, but if nobody wants
1: a pig, it doesn't matter how good it looks, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. let's say okay, you do you do execute better and you get the customers through the door. So how yeah. would you how would you provide that great customer experience or customer um brand experience? Well,
0: I, I guess it's, you know, it starts for me with, uh, putting yourself in the consumer shoes, you know, like, you know, when I first started in marketing, I read an amazing book, uh, called Hey Whipple, squeeze this. And, um, it was this incredible book written by a guy who's still in the ad business today. He, he's in the States. And, uh, you know, one of the things he says in here is don't forget that we're consumers too. And, and I love that idea because, you know when i started out in this business i used to always without even realizing it go would i like this like would i respond well to this and and without any real confidence in that thought process and as i uh, grew in my career i actually realized that that was one of the best ways for me to think you know would i love this if i walked into a store and this thing happened to me would that be irritating would I, would I like it? Would I like You know, you always try to imagine it as, as a consumer, not, not someone creating the experience. And, um, I think if you can do that, then you can, you can better decide is, is this thing that we're going to try to do going to be relevant to people? You know, is it, is it complete bullshit <laughs> or are they, you know, or, is, or would, it, would you actually appreciate this sort of experience when you, when you, when you engage with this brand in this way? And that's kind of my gut check. Um, and, and so you know obviously it differs by scenario uh, there's no sort of secret sauce to what that is but I think if you if you're able to think that way um, you know your odds of doing it a better job I think increase because you've you've removed yourself from it as the creator and you've tried to think about it you know as a consumer
1: yeah absolutely I love that I think yeah. sometimes we forget to put ourselves in the customers shoes and hundred oh, percent side of that so yeah it's great to be empathetic towards the consumer, not just your bottom line and what you're yeah.
0: Well, you know, I have this, you know, this idea that, and, and, you know, marketing teams and, you know, it's funny, not having been on the client side before, I always used to look at the client side and go, my God, how do these people forget that they're people? Like, how do they forget that they're talking to other people? And it's easy. I mean, I, it's easy to do because you get so caught up in your own shit, you know, your research and your, your process and the board you've got to present to and all of this stuff. And in the end, you kind of forget that, wait a minute, you know, someone just like me is going to see this and feel this. Are we, is this good? <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and if if you don't take a minute to to do that, you, you know, sometimes it can be bad, like really bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so switch gears a little bit again. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Oh god, well I've never been asked that one.
0: <laughs> I don't know. What I, wish, what I wish I would be asked that I never get asked. Huh. Uh I don't know, like do I want a million bucks or
1: something like that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't have a good answer for that question. Uh yeah, that I really a, don't. I'm stumped. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, that one's a pretty yeah. pretty uh head scratcher, but uh, one question yeah. that I don't get asked that I wish I was. Is that, was that it? Yeah. One question that you never get asked that maybe you wish you would be asked.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't, I don't know.
0: That's a, yeah, you got me.
1: You got me. Not that <laughs> one. Don't ask me that one anymore. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. um, Okay. So what's, uh, I mean, you're, you're obviously really successful in what you do and uh, marketing, uh, but what's uh, maybe, maybe what's one unique skill that uh, maybe marketers or business owners listening uh that's really helped you along the way
0: uh, yeah you know what it's kind of what i was just talking about um you know uh, well it's a couple of things my, my brain's moving faster than i can talk now uh I, i'll use this analogy this this uh, story that i heard one time and i i just fucking love it it's um there's a movie called um uh, what's it called hired guns. And it's a, uh, it's a story about all these um, like studio musicians and people that got, got hired to come in and record albums or whatever, but they never got any recognition you know, for it. They were paid and then moved on. Right. They don't get royalties. They don't go on tour. There's none of that shit. And uh, they're interviewing one of the guys, I think it was Rob Zombie. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's like a metal metal guy. And, uh, and he was talking about what it takes to make it in a band and how hard it is to be in a band. And he said, cause everyone just thinks, well, if you can play, if you can write music, you should be able to do it. It's like, well, there's three things you need to be in a band. You need to have the talent. You need to, ha- you need to fit the band. So like fit, whatever that means. And then you need to be able to get along. You need to be able to function as a unit of people that's, that are doing this same thing. And I was like, man, like that isn't just true for music. That is true for everything, right? That is absolutely true for like anything we do. And, and I was without, again, without even really realizing it, it was, it was a tactic that I employed when I first started, you know, in the ad business, I, you know, I wasn't the best at it. Um, and, but there were people who were much better than me and my goal became not to necessarily be better than them, but to find a way to get opportunities that that were always given to them. And because I wasn't the best, the, the tactic that I used was, well, I'll be easier to work with. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be pleasant. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to ask questions. If I don't know, I'm going to be, you know, keep things light, you know, I'm not going to stress out. I'm not going to be an asshole. Um, I'm going to work well with people and maybe that will give me some opportunity. And it worked like a charm and Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't a scam. I mean, it was, it was the tool that I had that, that I, it was the best tool that I had. And so I used that and then, you know, I got better as, as time went on, but I never stopped using that other tool. And so for me, um, you know, I think what I pride myself on the most is, is being able to work well with people to being able to get things out of people without being a, you know, a prick about it. Um, you know, I've always led that way. I've always believed you didn't need to be an asshole to get people to want to work for you. In fact, I, believe quite the opposite. You know, I always felt like if I can, you know, be respectful, but, but, um, empathetic and understanding and, and clear, you know, with people that, that you would get results. And, And for me, that's, that's what's worked. So, so, you know, that last part of that equation, you know, the talent, the fit, and then the ability to get along. Well, it was the ability to get along that I think was the the trick for me. And I think it's the one thing that people really don't think about when they start in their careers. They just they just want to be the best, you know, at all costs. I'm gonna stay late. I'm gonna work long hours. That's not it. I don't give a shit how many hours people work. Like I I want you to produce and I want you to be happy doing it. You know? So (laughs) I think that's the thing for me and and for a lot of people. That's what I always tell people, you know, when they're like, what do I need to do here? I'm like, first of all, you know, obviously you've been hired because you've got the skill set. So now Find your place in here, you know. And you don't do that by being the best at your job. You do that by figuring out how to get along with everybody and and work within that ecosystem, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, I come from a sports background, and um, you yeah. know how many times we, we you get the best athlete on your team, but they're just so not willing to get along, or is a good fit yeah. for the locker room that it's at the end of the day just negates kind of their skill and talent. So um, yeah getting along is a key to success essentially. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that in a,
0: like you can never have an argument or never have a debate, <laughs> right. but but you can do that stuff and be respectful and it's all for the greater good. You know, I, I think that, you know, I've worked for bosses that were complete assholes. Um, and I didn't stay, you know, like a, I'm an adult, I don't need to be treated poorly. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. responsible and, you know, and I get that maybe not all people are, but I still don't think you need to be assholes you're an asshole to people. I think you can, you can find a way to work with people that, that um, makes them want to work for you. Mm, you know?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I only have a couple more questions here for you, Sean. Um, sure. I just wanted to ask you, what's maybe something that you're proud of that maybe we haven't touched on on the podcast yet. Um, I would have to say,
0: you know, I think my recent career change from, from the advertising world, you know, at an agency into, into the client side. I mean, when I, when I left the agency world, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. It was, it was really scary. Um, and, uh, frankly, never didn't, wasn't sure if I would end up in a marketing position again. Uh, so it took about a year, you know, to find my, myself in a place that I was happy about. But, uh, and, and not only happy, but as I said to you before, you know, I feeling like I joined my favorite rock band was not a feeling I was expecting to feel again, you know, in my career. Um, it's not an easy shift, right. Especially when you're in a place like Halifax. I mean, I love Halifax, but it's not a big city. You know, it's not, it's not like you have tons of big brands here. Um, so, you know, to be able to, to land in a place like PAX, the head office of San Francisco, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for all of Canada, for all of Europe. It's huge. And, uh, like, honestly, every day I'm like, fuck, I love this. And I, I can't, if I think it back to how it even happened, is kind of crazy. But, you know, I just, uh, I'm really, really proud of being able to do that, especially because, you know, when I left, I was, you know, fairly miserable, you know, mentally I was not engaged in my, my career anymore. Um, so to, to become engaged again is a, is a pretty cool
1: feeling. Mm. That's actually a perfect segue to my next question. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how did you get into your current role? Um, at PAX? Well,
0: it's kind of a crazy story. I I mean, it has a little bit to do with the podcast, but um, when I was at the agency, we had, we had a client, a really big client actually for about 10 years. And for the last few years of that client relationship, I was working with a woman, she was the head of marketing on the client side and got to know her quite well, uh, her and her husband. And her husband was also the uh, chief operating officer of the Liquor Commission here in Nova Scotia, which ended up becoming the distributor for cannabis when it was legal here in the province. And so when I started doing the cannabis podcast, um, I wanted to get him on the show. And he wouldn't come on, he wouldn't come on. They weren't ready to talk, weren't ready to talk. And finally, he came on the show and, and we had a great conversation. And, uh, and it allowed him, he said to me afterwards, he said, you know, after we had that chat, you know, I felt like I could trust you. Like your, your goal of the, of the show wasn't to back me into a corner. It was genuinely trying to understand what our position was on the decisions we were making. And then I ended up moderating a, a panel discussion for the chamber of commerce on cannabis. And he was the lead speaker. And so again, he called me, he's like, look, I, I'm glad you're the moderator. I really trust you. Like I no issues, whatever, whatever you want to ask me, you know, you know, go ahead. Well, Skip ahead, you know, six months later, and maybe even longer than that, he leaves the NSLC and becomes Canada's new GM for PAX. Uh, and I didn't know about this, but he had called me. We had a breakfast one day, and he was like, look, I'm thinking about making this move. You know, he didn't tell me what it was, just did I have any thoughts or advice, and what do I think about the cannabis space? Well, he ends up taking this job, and I find out later that it's the it's, it's the GM for PAX Canada. Skip ahead about three or four months, and he calls me, he says, why don't you come work with me? <laughs> I was like, what, this is crazy. And he said, you know, he goes, like, my wife knows you from the agency side. And you know, she's, she's vouching for this idea. You know, she knows you well, she knows what you can do. I I've seen what you know about the cannabis space and how you approach, you know, things and how you talk about it. He goes, I, I, I want you on the team. And I was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I mean, it's you, you, funny how you think how things work, right. And the, the con- connections you make and the things that you do that lead to something, even though you don't know it's leading to something. And, um, and that's what happened. I took, I took the gig as a, as a contract at first, I think it was a 12 month contract and six months in, they, they brought me on full time. Wow. That's, yeah. Uh, that's
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's- I, it's, it's funny. I mean, in some ways the position, you know, me getting here was almost like five, six years in the making,
1: but, uh, I didn't know it. Yeah. No, it's funny how, all your actions and decisions kind of lead up to something that you're not really sure of at the time, but yeah, happen. You're like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense now. <laughs>
0: it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's even, even getting into the ad business was crazy for me. I mean, I, I I went to school for design, graphic arts, and I and I I got a job at a t shirt shop that I absolutely hated, and like I, I was like, I I can't work here. Like this is horrible. And then one day I got a, a piece of art. My job at the t-shirt shop was to create the artwork for the screens, for the screen printing.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, one day I got a, a job came in and it was for a bank, but it was from an agency, an ad agency. And uh, yeah. I had always wanted to be at an ad agency and I blame absolute vodka advertising for that. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, so at my lunch break one day, I went out and called them. Just, just out of the blue, I, I took the information off the sheet that I was given to do the artwork, and called them up. And they just happened to be looking for somebody. I was junior at the time, but they, um, you know, they liked my attitude. They, they had, they had this a scenario happening where they were looking for a couple of people and decided that maybe a junior person might fit in that scenario. And so I got hired. I got. It took me four months of, of begging them to get get a job, but I got hired. Uh, I got. How oh, what year was this? Ninety. I think 92 93 um and that that's how I got into the ad agency world wow that's, yeah. that's
1: awesome stuff um yeah. yeah so I guess my last couple questions uh where can our listeners connect with you online if they want to uh, get more valuable advice or even <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> on LinkedIn is probably a good bet I mean you know obviously on there uh Sean King on LinkedIn um i'm on instagram i think it's sean.kinger on instagram but i'm not that active on on that these days it's funny you know all the social networking out there i i'm, I'm moderately active on all of that stuff i, I obviously use linkedin to post uh, information about packs and the things that we're doing so it's probably the best bet
1: okay cool and uh and the podcast uh obviously marketing and branding is about uh uh standing for something and uh describing um what you what you do who you are so I ask you what is one word or phrase that you would to use to describe Sean King's brain? <laughs> yeah yeah I, you warned me about this question and I feel horrible that I don't have a good answer for it. I was like
0: I was racking my brain going like what would I say to that? Um, <laughs> so uh, you know right or wrong I, I'll tell you what what surfaced for me when I thought about it and it was a couple of things. Um, Um, I think, uh, what was uh, like optimistic, I think is, is kind of one word that comes to mind sincere is another word. I mean, you you know, we were talking a lot uh, earlier about, about, you know, the truth in advertising and just authentic brands. And I really, really buy into that. Um, and I think if you're authentic, you can, you can say and do things with anybody because your intentions are clear. Uh, and, and I've made a career out of doing that you know, I've been able to tell, you know, any client, uh, whatever I thought about what we were doing and not, and because I, I was just doing it sincerely doing it, you know, like, have we considered this? And are you, we're all worried about if we do this, that that might happen and just doing it in a human way, you know? And I, and I think it goes back to that thing I was saying earlier, you know, um, just this idea that we're people, you know, and don't forget that. Uh, and, and when you do that, uh, I think you can do better and and I think that's that's what I I don't know if that's what it looks like from the outside, but it's certainly from the inside that's kind of that's kind of how I am. I'm very optimistic, incredibly sincere and um, and uh, happy when things go right and and not when they don't. You know it's pretty
1: simple. Yeah, I love that. I think uh, that really resonated through this interview. how very optimistic uh, yeah energy. I love it <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Sean. I really appreciate you being on. I'm sure the listeners uh, loved every bit of it. So I can't wait to uh, get in, get in front of them. Yeah, I appreciate
0: it, man. I'm actually uh, happy happy that you reached out and and uh, glad we made a connection. Happy to chat anytime. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.